You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and, you know, this was a big week. Federal Reserve had uh, very, very important announcements on rate increases. They did the largest rate increase that they've done in 28 years, back to 1994, We've had tremendous stock market volatility. We are in a bear market. Uh, the, of course, the inflation rate that came out last Friday was higher than expected at 8.6%. So to lead off the show this week, uh, we're going to have our dollars and cents segment. And my question is, do you have all of the elements of diversification that you need in your portfolio? So we're going to start off with dollars and cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Diversification is an interesting word, and it is a very, very good and important word in the financial investment industry, but it is so often misused or misapplied, um, or mi- maybe, maybe a better way to say it is misunderstood, because typically, you know, if you have several stock mutual funds that are, that are in hundreds of stocks, then you think, well, you're diversified. And, and really what that means is you're diversified with one, within one asset class. And that asset class is stocks. Now, is, are, there, are they large cap U.S. stocks? Are they small cap stocks? Are they international stocks? Are there emerging market stocks in the international mix? There are a lot of ways to look at even the diversification within stocks. But the reality is if you're in all stock funds, you're going to go largely up and down with the stock market. Uh, Diversification just means, you know, you're not heavily into one specific stock. What I have found is people might not be as diversified even within the stock market as they realize because when you really do an x-ray, and I'll call it an x-ray, within the different funds that you own, how much exposure do you have to the biggest five or six companies driving the S&P 500, companies like Facebook and Amazon and Apple that are very, very heavy in technology. So you might not be as diversified as you think, even within the stock market, 
But really, diversification really means that you have a whole bunch of stuff in your portfolio that doesn't just go up and down together. So in other words, if one thing zigs, another thing in the portfolio zags. So if one thing like stocks are way down, hopefully they're not all way down. And that's where the diversification as you get closer to and into retirement becomes more critically important to reduce some of that cruel math of losses. You know, if you have $100,000 and you lose 50%, you now have $50,000, right? Well, if you have $50,000 and you want to get back to $100,000, you have to make 100% where you lost 50. And that's some very cruel math. Now, as the amount of a loss decreases in a bear market, markets, we're going to have bear markets. We're also going to have bull markets. That's just a reality of market investing. If you reduce the amount of the downside, however, then the math is not as cruel. You know, I mentioned if you lose 50%, you have to make 100. Well, if you, make, if you lose 33%, you've got to make 50. That's still some pretty cruel math, but it's not as bad as losing 50. Now, if you lose 20%, you have to make 25% to get to break even. That math is not nearly as cruel. So the idea of diversification, you own a lot of different things that zig and zag at different times. And that means, you know, if you have several things, when the market is down, that means that hopefully you'll always have three or four things. You know, if you have nine or 10 or 11 different things, you always have three or four things that are doing pretty well or holding their own. So when the markets are sharply down, you're not down as much. Now, the, the, the flip side of that, though, is when markets boom, which they will do, then you're not going to make as much because you've got a few things that are not doing as well. So investing is all about a trade-off in risk and reward. If you don't want to lose as much in the downturn, you're probably not going to make as much in the upswing as well. But when you get closer to retirement, you don't have 30 years to wait out deep losses. Or, or for, well, it doesn't take 30 years to make up for a deep loss typically, but you don't have 30 years to wait for the stock market to work out in the long run. So diversification becomes much more important. And one of the concerns really that we've been talking about for two or three years is the concerns with the bond market has been historically the, 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 the surest way to diversify against stocks as a hedge because bonds, if we go back to the 1970s, every bear, really every significant downturn, bonds have helped balance stocks being down. The bonds have been up. That hasn't happened this year. And the reason, one of the biggest reasons, is bonds, the interest rates have been so low, and, you know, bonds and interest rates move in an opposite direction. So when interest rates go up, bond values go down. So bonds are down double digits this year. Yeah, that's not as much as the stock market at 21%, but they're still, they have not been nearly as effective as a hedge. We're in a different investment world coming out of the last really 14, 15 years of economic expansion out of the Great Recession and then the pandemic, and we've had massive amounts of government stimulus, so interest rates have been very, very low. The bond market is not likely to do much uh, over the coming five to 10 years. One area of volatility that is often overlooked is owning volatility. 
you can own volatility, meaning when markets are choppy, and especially when markets are down substantially, you've got a holding in your portfolio that actually makes money. So it helps hedge that downturn. It's like having just a little bit of insurance. There's a cost for that, so you give up a little bit of the upside, but then you've got not only some protection on the downside, but you've got a, a, a lever that, that you can pull, so to speak, that actually makes money. And that does two things for you. One, it helps absorb some of that. It helps lessen some of that downside impact. But the second thing is, if, you're, if you make good money with that small holding, I'm not talking about a big holding, I'm talking about a small holding where you own downside volatility, then not only do, does it help buffer the losses of, of the stock market, it also gives you additional earnings that can then be invested when the market is down. And that's very, very powerful. Because markets also go up, and if you've got more capital to, to deploy when the markets are down, that's a good thing. Now, the other thing I want to mention about diversification, it is, not, it is not too late to act. Because the last three to five years, we've seen explosive growth in the stock market. The type of averages that cannot be, if, if history is our guide, really cannot be duplicated over longer periods of time. And a lot of that has been government stimulus, surging a lot of that. And that's not going to continue to happen to the opposite. The, the Federal Reserve is tightening monetary policy. They're raising interest rates, and they're bringing the money supply down. So it's a different world. And the reality is, though, over the last three or four years, even with this year, you've probably still got some pretty good gains in terms of your average annualized return. You could almost think of it as in the last three years leading into this year, you were borrowing returns from future years. And so what that means is, if you're still in pretty good shape to be able to, 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 to really tighten up your financial plan, you can do it now. You can go ahead and do that, tighten up your plan, and be covered moving forward where you mitigate the impact of short-term volatility, which is inevitable to happen. So owning some volatility in your portfolio is a very worthwhile and overlooked area of diversification. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Check us out online at BroganFinancial.com. Click on resources. We've got lots of resources there. We also podcast all of our shows and our dollars and cents segments. And we do, when it's appropriate, we hedge portfolios by owning volatility. It's a very overlooked and necessary way to diversify. Now, when we come back, we're going to dive into the economic impacts of everything that's going on right now, what the Federal Reserve is doing, how to weather recession, and also the difference in preservation and income. So we got a lot in store. Stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKM. 
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan, your host, and it's really been a big week this week. We had uh, the, the Federal Reserve met and did the largest in, increase in interest rates. They did a three-quarter point interest rate hike, largest since 1994. Uh, they're concerned about employment, interest rates, and inflation. And they're, they're also saying that, that next month in July, they'll do another half point to potentially three-quarters of a point increase. And I think there's a chance down the line they may do a full point. I think that from my vantage point, it, it's important to hit it hard up front. Uh, but what that means it, to, to try to, and, and then see how it impacts the economy. The problem is that could create some pain in the markets in the short term. And ultimately, how will this affect bonds and stock markets? Will there be an effect on the overall economy and employment? Will we enter a recession? And most importantly, what can you do to protect yourself from the effects of these decisions and a potential recession? So I want to talk today about how to weather a recession in, in retirement. We're going to talk about knowing the difference between wealth preservation and income planning. There's a big difference. How can charity be part of your overall wealth preservation strategy in giving the gift of education? So we got a lot, of, a lot in store. Let's talk about weathering a recession. You know, there's a lot of discussion that with the market volatility, the geopolitical risks, the high inflation rates, and the Federal Reserve policy, a recession is brewing. Uh, there's a chance we're in recession right now. We had negative GDP growth in the first quarter. I don't think we're going to have negative GDP growth in the second quarter, meaning I don't think we're in a recession currently, but we could be. Um, the, the chance of recession in the next two years is becoming increasingly likely. If you're still earning income by working, you may have more of an opportunity to ride out market swings and maybe even benefit from a recovery because if you're still working, you're investing money while the market is down. But in retirement, you may be relying on distributions from your investment accounts to provide income. So it's all too important to have a plan to get through a recession in retirement. So I think first you need to understand the, the impact of what we call sequence of return risk, which merely means when are the good years and when are the bad years. This is a different kind of risk that you take on much more significantly when you are retired and needing to draw income from your savings. And you don't really face this risk much when you're younger and accumulating assets. Specifically, we know that over long periods of time, the stock market has been a good investment. But that's over 20 and 30 year periods. What happens in shorter periods of time, like five years? And what happens if there's a significant downturn in the market in your first few years of retirement? We do know that what happens in the first five to 10 years has a very disproportional effect on your long-term outcome in retirement, meaning <coughs> a big hit to your investment savings 
can be devastating in those early years of retirement. It's, it's much more devastating to have a big hit to your portfolio at 67 years old if you're retired than at 87 years old. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. We've always been taught as we age we should have less risk. And, and that depends investor to investor, but the reality is you can afford to lose more money when you're 87 and you don't need the money to last as long than when you're 67 and you may need the money to last another 25 to 30 years. So it's important to know where you are in your retirement. And, you know, one of the real keys to wealth management is not spending a large investment loss. And what that means is when the market is sharply down, or maybe better put, your investment is sharply down, you don't want to be spending in it. You don't want to sell that money when it's down and then spend it for income needs. In other words, if all of your market is, money is invested at risk in the market and you need income right now, you're going to have to sell some of those investments to generate income. And that means you're going to be selling them when they're down. And since you're spending that money, you'll never, ever make it back. You'll compound your losses because you've spent it. It'll never come back. See, it's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest it. But you don't ever want to sell it when it's down and spend it. So one of the keys is to create enough time horizon with your market investments that you can go through the inevitable downturns we have in the stock market and you're not depending on that money for short-term income. And then you've got time on your side. Now, my rule of thumb is you want to have at least five years of income from today that you don't have to depend on the stock market at all. Five years of stable or protected holdings that you can pull from. I'd prefer you have seven or eight, but at least five. But even with a five to seven year time horizon, you still can't be 100% invested in the stock market. You could lose too much because of that cruel math of losses I talked about earlier in the show. So you need more diversification as well. So it's about how you structure your income, having stable uh, in holdings that you can draw from in these types of volatile events. But in the long term, to beat inflation, you need to have risk investments. Now, you know, you know will you beat inflation at 8.5% per year? I wouldn't count on that. But inflation's not going to stay at 8.5% per year for the long haul. I mean, it could go higher in the short term. But very, very unlikely we'll have that type of inflation for a long period of time. Bottom line, your best chance to grow income in the long term is to take some risk with your money. You just need time on your side, so you need to be able to let it ride through the inevitable ups and downs. So be aware of things like what about required minimum distributions in your IRAs? You have to take those out at 72 and pay taxes. What if the market is sharply down? Your, your income plan should include allowing for income from and including your RMDs at 72 years old. And then keep your head steady. If you've got a good plan in place, a good plan plans for this type of volatility because it's, I mean, is it unexpected when it happens? Yeah, we never know when volatility is going to happen. And we never know why, but we know it's going to happen. It's just inevitable. And this is the period when it gets down to 20, 21% on a downturn in the S&P 500 where it gets, starts to get emotional. 
when you look at your at your statement. You need a financial plan that can mitigate the impact of short-term volatility on your portfolio. And I really want to stress, as I did in dollars and cents, that it is not too late to do that. Because even with the downturn this year, the returns in the last three to five years have been so robust. You're more than likely, if you've seen a decent downturn this year, you were up a good amount in the last three to five years. So just think of it as you were borrowing from those future returns. And if you have enough money now to create a good plan, it's not too late. You can create that plan now. Now, we do that at our office at broganfinancial.com. You can go online and you can sign up for a consultation. We do not charge for, a, for, a comp, for an initial consultation. We allow about an hour for that. We can do it virtually or in person. We prefer in person if you're comfortable with that, but we can do virtually. Uh, and then we just kind of go from there. And that consultation is all about your needs and what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you can also digest more and more of our information that we put out. And that's on our website if you click on resources. Also, if you click on classes, you can find our upcoming class schedule. My next class is actually in August. I believe it's the August the 30th. And it's a one-night class specifically on income planning at Pellissippi State in Hardin Valley. One two-hour session where we really dive heavily into the income planning category, which I think is the most overlooked area in retirement planning today. Uh, and it's uh, the course fee, I think it's $39, but if you go to brokenfinancial.com and click on classes, you can pull it, you can pull up a, a detailed, you can click on that class and it'll pull up, you can download a syllabus, you can uh, see when it is, and you can click to register with Pellissippi State. You can also see all of our full class schedule coming up uh, starting in August through the early November. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about the difference between wealth preservation and income. There is a difference. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also check all of our podcasts online for our shows and our dollars and cents segments. Go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. Now, let's say, you know, you've saved well and you have a solid plan for retirement. You're probably thinking hard about what comes next for you in retirement. And the two staples of a comfortable retirement are wealth preservation and income. But achieving both of those in a way that meets your goals is easier said than done. During your career, you probably focused on maximizing your income, but now that you've saved for retirement, it's about preserving what you've built so that it can last through retirement. So what are the differences between income maximization and wealth preservation? When I think of wealth preservation, I think of maintaining your ability, your, your, the value of your investment base and your net worth. 
And that means that over time, your wealth, your net worth will grow at a rate to at least keep up with inflation. And if you're taking income, then that means you've got to earn more than you're taking out. Now, a lot of people that I work with would say, Jim, it's not too important that I maintain the same equivalency of wealth relative to inflation over my entire retirement. I'm not trying to make my kids rich. I just don't want to die a pauper. I don't want to run out of money or have life left at the end of the money. Others would say, we'd like to leave a, live a nice lifestyle if we can live you know, a nice lifestyle and leave a nice financial legacy for our kids, great, but that's not the number one priority. That's actually the number one answer that I get when I talk to people who are either approaching retirement or already retired is, Jim, take care of us, and if we can leave a nice nest egg behind, great, but it's not our primary concern. So, you know, wealth preservation is all about maintaining your status of net worth. Income is about making sure that you can meet your needs and you don't run out of income, or you don't see the impact of your income reduce over time due to inflation. So, you know, Social Security is an example. Is Social Security, there's a cost of living increase every year. Is it likely to keep up with inflation? No. Since 2000, according to the Senior Citizens League, since 2000, even with the cost of living increases for Social Security, if you were drawing Social Security in 2000, what you're drawing now has lost one-third of its purchasing power. So a good way to think about that is if your Social Security benefit is 3000 a month, you go on Social Security today, that would be the equivalence that in 20, 21, 22 years, instead of 3000 a month, in today's dollars, it would be 2000 a month. That's what's happened since 2000 because the cost of living adjustment has not kept up with inflation. Pensions. If you have a pension, and those are becoming fewer and further between. But, you know, in this area of the country, a lot of you have pensions. If you work at Oak Ridge, if you work for the state, if you've worked at the University of Tennessee, if you're in TCRS, Tennessee Consolidated Retirement, uh, if you work for things like KUB or, you know, things like that. I mean, a lot of people in the public sector especially, and then also through Oak Ridge, have pensions. So then what type of inflation protection does that pension give you? In the case of the Oak Ridge contractors, almost all of them do not have any inflation adjustment at all. And most company pensions that do have an inflation adjustment, again, it typically does not really fully keep up with the cost of living in retirement. So ultimately what that means is as you age in retirement, you're going to need to draw more and more of your income need from your investments. And in order to do that, your investments are going to need to grow. And you're going to need to not hit those investments too hard in the early years of retirement. And this goes back to what I mentioned earlier with sequence of return risk in the last segment. If you've missed that segment, you might want to check it out on the podcast. We'll have it up Tuesday afternoon on our website. Uh, you can all, uh, again, I'm on also 9 to 10 a.m. and 3 to 4 p.m., this same show. 
but uh, understanding how to how to structure your investments for short-term income needs, but then growth in the long term to fight inflation. So, you know, most of the people that I meet with in my office would say that income stability, meaning it's not as dependent on the stock market in the early years of retirement, and it grows enough over time to offset inflation. That income stability to meet needs is the more important of those two concepts of income planning and wealth preservation. But it is a balancing act. You also have to consider the impact of taxes on your wealth preservation. The more you can reduce income taxes early in retirement, the more it'll pay off later on as a rule because, again, your investment base is not dropping as much in the early years of retirement because you've reduced your income taxes. And how you structure income is a key part of that. When you draw income, is it taxed or is it not taxed? There are ways to, produce, to, to draw income that are not taxed. Keeping you in the desired tax bracket to live the lifestyle you want, maintain your wealth, and that will help you maintain that income for the rest of your life. So uh, critical difference, differences between income planning and retirement, or excuse me, and uh, wealth preservation. I completely said that wrong. Now, I want to dive now into how can charity be part of wealth uh, planning. You know, many of you may care about causes or organizations that, and, and have made an impact throughout the lives and whose, or whose mission is to provide good to the world. But when it comes to supporting those organizations with your money, you may not have known that you can do that in ways that can also help you save on taxes and preserve your wealth. So it's important to understand the interrelatedness of all of this. You know, when you donate to a either a church or a 501c3, which is a public charity, you're able to take an, a, a deduction on your taxes. But charitable contributions can only reduce your tax bill if you decide to, if you are able to itemize your taxes. And, you know, roughly 90% of taxpayers now do not itemize their taxes with the increase in the standard deduction in 2018. Now, in 2026, that, tax that, that standard deduction is going back down. We go back to the old rules. But planning how you do your charitable contributions and do you get the impact on your tax return from making those charitable contributions is very, very important. If you're not 72 yet, you may be in a rock and a hard place because you're not itemizing, you want to help charity, um, but you can't give directly from your IRA to charity. I said 72, it's really 70 and a half. The reason the 70 and a half and 72 become critical is you can then give directly to charity from your IRA and it comes straight off of your the taxation on your RMD. You can only do that from an IRA. You cannot do it from a 401k, 403b, or other company plan. The check has to be made out to the church or the charity. But see, this can be powerful. I mean, let's use some round numbers. Let's say your minimum distribution is $20,000, and you give $5,000 of that to church and charity or charity. Then the taxable portion of your RMD is now not $20,000. It's $15,000. 
plus you still get the standard deduction. So that helps reduce your taxes, which helps you preserve wealth, which, which increases the likelihood of successful income planning. See how that's all related? Another option is to give appreciated assets to charity. Let's say you've got a stock or a growth mutual fund and you paid 10000 for it years ago and it's worth 50000 Well, you get a double whammy if you give that stock to charity or you paid 1000 it's worth 5000 Whatever numbers you want to use, you could give a portion of the stock and get the same kind of effect. You give a stock to charity that you've never paid tax on. You know, you haven't paid tax on that long-term capital gain. You give it to charity, you don't ever have to pay tax on that gain. Plus, you get a ta you, you're able to use that tax deduction if you itemize. So you get, you get benefits on both sides. See, when you give appreciated investments a stock or, or assets, a stock, a mutual a stock fund, a, a piece of property, you're giving something to church or charity that you've not paid all the income taxes on. So in addition to not paying the income tax, you also get the charitable deduction, which is just like giving from an IRA at 72. You're giving directly, you're giving money to charity that you never had to pay the income tax on. So it, you get a double whammy effect. So it's very important, you know, if you write a check from your savings account or checking account, excuse me, you, you write a $1,000 or $5,000 check to give to charity. I mean, that's great. You get the deduction if you're itemizing. But that money's already been taxed. If you can give money that's not been taxed, you get that double whammy effect. So again, being effective with how you give to church and charity is a big part of wealth preservation because this, this falls into tax planning. If you keep your income taxes lower then ultimately you'll preserve your wealth greater. So I just want to mention tax planning overall. You know, I think things are going to be choppy for a while in the markets. Uh, there's, in my view, if we look at the last 10, 12 years in the stock market, with the amount of massive government stimulus that's happened from the Federal Reserve and from Congress, they can't continue to do that. And now we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing, on the Federal Reserve anyway, we're seeing increasing interest rates instead of decreasing, and we're seeing quantitative tightening instead of quantitative easing. So we're seeing reduction in the money supply. We've seen the opposite over the past 14 years. So that means it's highly unlikely we're going to have the boosted stock market returns the next 10 years that we had the last 10 years. And if you look at current stock market valuations, it would, it would more than likely predict that the next 10 years are going to be more muted returns in the stock market. We never know for sure. That could be an incorrect statement. But more than likely, if history is our guide, just stock market valuations alone would seem to say we should mute our expectations of stock market returns the next 10 years. In the short term, who knows, but over a 10-year period. When you add in the lack of government stimulus that's likely to happen the next 10 years and look at what's happened the last 10 years with government stimulus, it, it, it also would indicate we need to mute 
our expectations. So that means that if you can, remember it's not how much you make, it's how much you get to keep. If, if you're going to earn less but you can pay less tax, remember it's how much do you earn less what is your tax bill equals your net. If you can lower that tax bill, you can start to offset the impact of more muted market returns. You know, what if, what do I mean when I say muted returns? Five, six, maybe seven percent per year, maybe four. But not 10 or 11 or 12. Or 15 or 18 or the last three years till this year was 25 percent. So when I say more muted returns, that doesn't mean you can't earn a pretty nice return. And if you can make six or seven, you're... In the next 10 years, you're still probably going to beat inflation. I don't expect inflation to last at 8.5% for more than, you know, well, we, we don't know. But I don't expect that to be the inflation rate two, three years from now. So your charitable strategy is such an important part to manage that tax bill. In addition to many of the other things that we've talked about often on this show, which you know, is capital gains harvesting, capital loss harvesting, understanding long-term gains tax treatment versus ordinary income, doing things like Roth conversion in those early years of retirement will help you preserve your wealth more in the early years of retirement and also be being aware of your long-term tax bill to provide for greater income throughout your retirement and or leave a greater legacy behind financially for your family. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk about giving the gift of education to people you love. Stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for listening this weekend. More living right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're on every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. You can catch our podcasts online, broganfinancial.com. A lot of these topics I've talked about today, income planning, uh, being successful through recession, reducing losses in bad markets. Do you have volatility as Do you own volatility as a diversification tool in your portfolio? Meaning, do you have a way to profit from short-term volatility? These are all things we do at our office. If you'd like a consultation, we provide a complimentary review. We'll talk about what you're trying to accomplish, give you a second opinion. You can go to broganfinancial.com and you can sign up for a complimentary consultation. Or you can give us a call directly at 865 862-6800. Again, that's 862-6800. Now, the cost of education is rising, and it's increasingly difficult to pay for college expenses. But education is increasingly important for success these days. So if you're thinking about how to save for your kids, grandkids, or other family members' education, how can you give the gift of education in a smart way? way that takes advantage of all of the tools we have to, again, maximize investment results and minimize taxes. There are a few things, different things here. One way is, of course, a 529, a college education savings plan. And the 529 can be very effective because you don't get a deduction when you put the money in there, but it grows tax-deferred 
So as it's growing, it's not being taxed. And then it's if it's used for qualified educational expenses, which basically is cost of attendance, that would be not only tuition and fees, but room and board and books. Then if it's withdrawn for that, it's tax-free in its growth. If it's not used uh, for education, then the, 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 it could be, you know, you can move money from like one child to another child or even from one cousin to another cousin or from one grandchild to another grandchild. I said cousin, I meant nieces and nephews. So we can, you can transfer the beneficiary of that 529. Or if you've got a child that let's say goes to a technical trade school and doesn't use all that money, you could still leave it in their name and they could use it to help fund their kids education down the line because you know it used to be in the old days you had to distribute that money by 30 years old and if it was not used for college the earnings were taxed and they had a 10 percent penalty on those earnings but now it can be kept on down the road for their kids one of the limitations of 529s is you're going to have some investment limitations you know if you open up a, an investment account with a no-load brokerage firm like a like a TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Charles Schwab or somebody like that, you can invest in almost anything you want. In a 529 plan, they're run by diff by the states, and you have to go with whatever state you choose. You have to go with their plan, and there is, and you don't have to do Tennessee's plan. You can use any state plan and then use that money for any accredited school in the United States. Uh, but each plan is going to have a limited choice of investment options. So if 529s are great from a tax perspective, they can be a little bit limited uh, to your investment choices. So there are ways to give, other ways to give the gift of education, but 529s are a, gr are, are a great consideration. One other thing is you can, it is considered a gift, but you can do five years worth of gifts in one year. You know, there's a gift limitation. You can't just give $100,000 to somebody, but you can do five years worth of gifts. You can do $75,000, $80,000 in one year. Now, then you're front-loading that five years. But then that removes that money from your estate, so that's also a very, very effective tax tool. Today, we've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Check us, check us out online, broganfinancial.com, and click on radio to hear all of our podcasts. Thank you to Chris for running the board. Thank you for Jill, to Jill for helping produce the show. Have a very blessed weekend. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on the News and Talk of East Tennessee, News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.